0: It's Saturday, April the 2nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, escape from Mariupol and China-EU tensions. First, the week in brief. About 3,000 people escaped from the encircled southern port city of Mariupol on Friday, according to Ukrainian officials, but an attempt to orchestrate a mass evacuation and deliver aid failed. Local conditions, quote, made it impossible to proceed, said the International Committee of the Red Cross, which had sent a nine-person team to try and get people out. It will try again on Saturday, up to 170,000 people remain trapped in the city. The president of the European Commission warned Chinese officials of the quote, major reputational damage they would suffer if China abets the Russian war effort. Ursula von der Leyen said China and the EU held quote, opposing views, a sign their virtual summit produced no commitments or diplomatic breakthroughs. She said European firms would watch Chinese actions closely to gauge its quote, reliability, and weigh quote, decisions on long-term investments. A Russian regional governor said that Ukrainian helicopters attacked a fuel depot in the Russian oblast of Belgorod, 40 kilometers north of the country's shared border, an 80 kilometer drive from Kharkiv. If true, the sortie would mark Ukraine's first intrusion of Russian territory since the war began five weeks ago. Ukraine did not immediately take responsibility for the attack. Sergey Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, praised India for not taking a quote one-sided view on the war in Ukraine. The visit came a day after America and Britain pressed India not to circumvent sanctions imposed on Russia. The entreaties are so far falling on deaf ears. India has bought millions of barrels of discounted crude oil from Russia since the war started. The European Commission said buyers of Russian gas with arrangements to pay in euros or dollars should stick to them. The Kremlin had demanded that they pay in rubles and threatened to cut supplies. It then said it would not do so immediately. Moscow does not have an alternative market for its gas. Prices, which had increased on fears of disruption, fell. Other news. President Gotabaya Rajapaksa of Sri Lanka declared a public emergency amid protests against the country's economic crisis. This gives him sweeping powers to suspend laws and detain people. The country is experiencing rolling electricity blackouts because the government lacks the foreign exchange reserves to import fuel. The Biden administration said it would end a controversial pandemic-era border policy of expelling migrants without giving them the chance to apply for asylum from next month. Critics had long called for its termination, arguing that it contravened America's obligations under international law. Employers in America added 431,000 jobs to non-farm payrolls in March the unemployment rate fell by a greater-than-expected 0.2 percentage points to 3.6%. Global deal-making sunk to its lowest level since the start of the pandemic, thanks to slowing economic growth, rising inflation and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Just over $1 trillion worth of deals were inked in the first quarter of 2022, about a fifth lower than the same period of 2021. And word of the week, hewa bokeh, a Japanese phrase meaning, quote, the blur of peace, used to describe Japan's post-war mindset. And now, here's today's agenda. The risk of Russian boycotts. Jerry Sonnenfeld, a professor at the Yale School of Management, compiled a list of firms which have pulled out of Russia since the invasion of Ukraine, 470 at last count. That reflects moral outrage at President Vladimir Putin's aggression. But it is also pragmatic, pleasing customers without denting revenues much. He compares the corporate campaign against Mr. Putin's regime to anti-apartheid divestment from South Africa in the 1980s. Mr. Sonnenfeld encourages corporations to take a stand on global issues, from the war in Ukraine to what he believes are the shortcomings of free trade. By being good citizens, he says, firms uphold and enforce democratic values. Yet firms that quit Russia leave the field open to competitors, who might support Mr Putin, and abandon Russian employees, who might not. Moreover, unelected executives making moral choices on behalf of customers and employees could undermine faith in democracy. In a world at risk from autocracies like Russia, that would be a crushing own goal. Amazon gets a union. After years of worker activism, Amazon must now contend with a union. On Friday, staff at one of its Staten Island warehouses voted to form the first union in the company's history. They hope it will win them longer breaks and higher wages. That could spell bad news for the productivity-obsessed firm. Amazon, America's second-largest private employer, has gone on the offensive, holding mandatory anti-union meetings and plastering posters in bathrooms. But it has not managed to hold back the unionization drive sweeping America, which comes amid a tight labor market. The first Starbucks cafe in America, unionized in December, eight more have followed. Amazon need not panic just yet. It appears to have fended off a unionization effort in Bessemer, Alabama, though the final result there is not yet known. Activists hope for a victory at another Staten Island facility later in April. Jeff Bezos, the company's executive chairman, will undoubtedly watch anxiously. Macron turns his attention to France. Just eight days before the French vote in the first round of their presidential election, Emmanuel Macron holds his first rally on Saturday. At a sports arena in La Défense, west of Paris, the sitting president is hoping to inject some energy into his campaign. Owing to his diplomatic efforts over the war in Ukraine, Mr Macron has devoted relatively little time to his re-election bid, he remains the favourite, but polls are tightening. Mr Macron's strongest rival, the nationalist populist Marine Le Pen, has been rising on the back of a polished grassroots campaign. Some polls for the second round runoff on April 24th suggest that, should she make it that far, the result could be as close as 53% for Mr Macron to 47% for Miss Le Pen. On the hard left, Jean Luc Mélenchon is also climbing steadily. Mr Macron may now need to step down from world affairs and show that he is ready for the match. Mondrian and Music This year marks 150 years since the birth of Piet Mondrian, the Dutch painter famed for his geometrically precise red, blue and yellow canvases. On Saturday, the Kunstmuseum Den Haag, will open Mondrian Moves, an exhibition exploring his influence on other artists. Among those he inspired is Bridget Riley, an Englishwoman known for her dazzling and disorientating black and white, quote, op-art paintings. The show also focuses on Mondrian's affinity for music. He was an avid dancer and loved jazz, an art form he considered analogous to his own, Boogie Woogie, he wrote, sought the, quote, destruction of melody, just as he sought the, quote, destruction of natural appearance. Both strove for, quote, dynamic rhythm. When, having just fled Nazi-occupied Europe at the age of 68, Mondrian first heard Boogie Woogie in New York City, his reaction was unrestrained. Quote, enormous, enormous, he is said to have exclaimed. Weekend Profile Sergei Ponomarev, a Russian photojournalist in exile The day before Russia invaded Ukraine, Sergei Ponomarev, a Russian photographer, was on assignment near Rostov-on-Don, a city close to the Ukrainian border. From there, he could see the military build-up, but even then he was not ready for what happened the next day. Quote, We thought the Western intel reports of an invasion were hysteria, he says, sitting at a restaurant in Istanbul, wearing a black hoodie and glasses. Quote, I never thought it would go so far. We underestimated the craziness of Putin. When the missiles started falling on Ukraine, Mr. Ponomarev reasoned he should get back to Moscow. Flights were cancelled, so he travelled across Russia by train. Over the following week, he watched as Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, cracked down on independent news outlets and free speech. He considered his options. Then they ran out. Sensing he would no longer be able to work in Moscow, Mr. Ponomarev decided to flee to Istanbul on March 1st. Aboard his flight were several journalists from TV Rain, Russia's only independent television channel. At least 14,000 Russians, many of them young professionals, Are estimated to have moved to Turkey over the past month. Mr. Ponomarev, aged 41, has covered wars in the Middle East and eastern Ukraine. His coverage of the refugee crisis in Greece earned him a Pulitzer Prize in 2016. But his home has always been Moscow. Now, starting anew, he is coming to terms with the idea he may never again see the city in which he has spent most of his life. Mr. Putin has threatened to, quote, spit out those he considers, quote, scum and traitors, i.e. people with pro-Western views. Mr. Ponomarev says that means people like him. Quote, I'm not breaking all ties with Russia, he says, but I realise it's too dangerous to come back. Russia recently passed a law imposing prison sentences of up to 15 years for anyone spreading, quote, fake Information about its invasion. TV Rain and scores of other outlets have been forced to shut down. Shortly after he left, Mr. Ponomarev learned that police officers had showed up at his Moscow apartment. Quote, The severity of Russian laws used to be tempered by their lack of enforcement, he says, paraphrasing a 19th century Russian satirist. Quote, Now it's the opposite. The winners of this week's quiz Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Young Min Lee, Okinawa, Japan, North America, Jennifer Johnson, Toronto, Canada, Central and South America, Antonio Lemos, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Europe, Susan Michaelides, Nicosia, Cyprus, Africa, Steve Hallen, Nairobi, Kenya, Oceana, Wendy King, Sydney, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Ginger Baker, Hudson's Bay, The Real Inspector Hound, Thomas Watson, and Conan the Barbarian. The theme is Sherlock Holmes Baker Street, Mrs. Hudson, The Hound of the Baskervilles, Dr. Watson, and Arthur Conan Doyle. Finally, here's the quote of the day, from Pope John Paul II, who died on this day in 2005. War is a defeat for humanity. That's it from The Economist morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast.